On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, host Greg Winkleman talks to a former uh, intern that he was with with the Denver Broncos, Justin Alum, and they talk everything becoming a, an athletic trainer working with football. Uh, Justin has been through quite a few different experiences as he continues to work to find the right position for him uh, within kind of the role of being an athletic trainer with a football organization. So a lot of really good uh, information in here talking about pursuing useful and positive opportunities to learn and grow, uh, talk about the Broncos and the experience that they both had. So definitely worth checking out if that is a route you are interested in going. Both of the guys are younger in the profession, working through uh, trying to get to where they want to be. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please don't hesitate to check them out for any of your sports medicine needs. They're always innovating. If you've got ideas, they want to hear them to try and help better serve the athletic training profession and do what they can to help us out. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. Um, we have Justin Ullum here today. Uh, he is one of the fellow interns that I got to um, do an internship with through the Denver Broncos. Um, so we got really close there. I uh, really appreciated his work ethic um, throughout that experience. Um, so I'll just kind of speak on his background a little bit and then kind of turn it over to him. So. Uh, he got his bachelor's at St. Louis University and then got a clinical master's there in athletic training, um, also at St. Louis. Uh, and he's kind of worked in a lot of various job settings, uh, kind of essentially in every level of football now. Um, so we figured we'd bring you this episode to kind of just chat about, um, you know, football specifically and uh, pursuing a career in the, you know, in the world of football as an athletic trainer. So Justin, if you want to give us a little background. Yeah. Um, so basically just to reiterate what you said, <clears throat> got my bachelor's at St. Louis university and then got, it was an entry level master's program. So MAT program there. Uh, so five year program and went there, been in St. Louis my whole life and then pandemic hit, uh, and ended up moving down to Mississippi for a job. And then after that took the opportunity to head over to the Broncos for the, the internship there for the training camp. And then now just working a couple of different jobs out here in Colorado still and living close to family, which is nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, and I understand, so in Colorado right now, you are um, doing some high school work and then some kind of EMS stadium uh, coverage as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So I am the head athletic trainer for a two charter schools, really. And so it's I'm the head AT for a campus, so the Regis Groff campus up in Aurora, um, which is the uh, co-op between the Strive and the KIPP Rise schools. Um, and so when they do athletics, they kind of pull all the students from both schools together, get a bigger, uh, bigger outing from everybody. And really, I mean, that's been, that's been great. I've almost 
total autonomy. Uh, AD really appreciates and understands what we do um, and is more than happy to help me out, whether it be budget wise or, you know, if there's something that I really think we should have or we need more of. Uh, we've even had talks of switching that position to potentially changing it to almost kind of modeling it after Texas high schools where there will be some teaching involved and possibly getting a sports medicine class going in one or both of the high schools, uh, as well as athletic training uh, for the athletics department afterwards as well. And then, yeah, also doing some work with Stadium Medical. Uh, and basically that's been, for the most part, it's been covering club high school rugby sevens. Uh, they had their tournament and playoffs and all that stuff. And so covered that. And then also have been covering a little bit of uh, University of Denver Club men's and women's ice hockey, uh, some club men's lacrosse, uh, and additionally just doing some uh, basically observation at vaccine clinics. So making sure if anybody passes out or you know has any sort of anaphylactic reaction to the vaccine, I'm there along with an EMT to provide any necessary services that they may need. Oh, that's, that sounds great. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of responsibilities on your part, but, uh, yeah, a lot going on, especially with that high school thing. That's, that's great that, you know, you've already formed that relationship and have gotten, you know, some very positive results out there. Yeah. Uh, we'll kind of jump into the, the first question here. Um, what has, what has your experience been so far with the role of communication in the football setting? Uh, so, I mean, really it's just that communication is key. Uh, I'm somebody who I would rather over communicate rather than not say anything at all. So I'd rather tell you in person, follow it up with a text or an email, and then probably remind you about it the day of. Um, and if you don't get that communication going early, then the coaches never really know what to expect. And so I've had some coaches that they don't want to see you and they'd rather just get an injury report and that's fine. You kind of have to adapt to their communication. Um, but I mean, the big thing is you just have to communicate. You can't just think everything's going to run smoothly without having that constant open line of communication, whether it's email, text, in person, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially with a team of, you know, 80, 90, sometimes a hundred kids, it's, it's one of those sports that gets, you know, tricky in a way where you definitely have to form those, those early communication routes. Uh, so yeah, bouncing off that, um, you know, I, I would still say, you know, you're, you're a younger AT to the profession. You've had, you know, a few years of work experience here. Uh, have you noticed any difference in that trust um, throughout the different settings since you've, you know, had that college level, uh, a little taste of the pros, and then now that high school level? Yeah, uh, I, I have. So just kind of depends on where you're at. I Initially, especially my first year out. Um, because the first job I had, I actually did a full year of clinical rotation at that college prior to getting a job offer there. And so had an issue with some of the coaches just initially not trusting me a hundred percent. Um, and so, I mean, all that really ended up being was they would just ask more questions, try and get more out of it. Um, and the same thing kind of carried over with the JUCO where they, you know, it, I mean, it was all harmless. They just wanted to know more information and kind of almost wanted to justify that I knew what I was talking about and why I thought what I was thinking and kind of how long the rehab process would be and all that. Um, and I mean, really, it's just kind of, unfortunately, it differs. 
uh, for everybody. And I, I think I've been very fortunate in the fact that I haven't had any coaches that just outright don't trust me. Um, but I know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the initial trust that you'll get from coaches is based off of their previous experience with athletic trainers. So if they were buttonheads with somebody all the time, they aren't going to be too trustworthy with you. Or if they think somebody did something wrong, or, you know, maybe there was an injury that took too long to get back, that, that trust is already going to be faltered a little bit without it even being your fault necessarily. So that's just something you have to make up for and do your best to try and gain their trust as fast as possible to make working with them as seamless as possible. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So bouncing off that, um, you know, what are your primary career goals and then what steps kind of are you taking or have you taken to, to achieve that? Uh, primary career goals are really just anything that involves uh, NFL, NHL, or college. Really love football and hockey. Um, and typically go out of my way to work, to work that if I can. Um, and I mean, really I took a chance, uh, getting the opportunity with the internship just because I did have a guaranteed salary. We were just offered a really decent raise at the JUCO I was at. Um, and on top of that housing was dirt cheap. They gave us on-campus housing for $250 a month. Um, which, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. Um, but it was one of those things where being at the JUCO, uh, down in Mississippi, it wouldn't get me any closer to my goals of getting to that higher level of the NFL, the NHL, somewhere along those lines. Um, and I had been wanting to move out to Colorado for a while. Just so happened that the Broncos was the internship I got offered. Um, and so it was just one of those things where I decided to take the chance, get six weeks, try and make some connections as fast as I could, which ended up working out for me. Um, and on top of that, get a little bit closer to family, have that support system out here if, you know, something did end up falling through, which luckily it did not. But, I mean, I can't – that experience was out of this world. Um, so I, I definitely still think it was worth taking – an internship, even though I knew it was going to be short term over having guaranteed salary and a guaranteed job for, for the upcoming year. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, I can attest to that. It was definitely out of this world. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was I, great. I think, uh, you know, both of us really got the most out of it too and um, formed some good connections. And that's, you know, that's also why we're talking today just from, you know, trusting each other, really appreciating um, kind of that, that same fire that, we brought each day. So yeah, um, absolutely. And you kind of answered my next question here, which would just be, you know, any advice on, you know, maybe taking an internship versus a guaranteed salary. But, you know, I, I think that both of us can really attest that if something does kind of fit your career goals, it's, it's worth doing. Um, you know, I, especially that, that guaranteed salary might be very tempting for you, but you know, you can't beat the experience that you get, even if it is, you know, six weeks or, or whatever we got there. So um, yeah. anything you can add to that, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess if there's anybody else going through something similar, right, my advice would be take it. I mean, I'm late, mid-20s, still, like, didn't really get the internship opportunity at the same time that everybody else typically does in their career. Um, but I'm still young, still don't have a family, anything like that. 
uh, very fortunate to have a long-term and very supportive girlfriend who was all about me taking the internship, even if she knew it would be a struggle. Um, and I mean, yeah, like I said, wouldn't change it for the world. So it ended up being, being the right choice, even if, you know, right now I'm not at the college level or anything like that. I'm still getting a great experience at the high school level, still getting a great experience working with the EMS company. And right now that's enough to just kind of bide my time until there's a job that piques my interest or an opening pops up that somebody refers me for or anything like that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That sounds great. So what can you say about the importance of the, the connections that you made at all these job sites? You know, I, I know you've had great feedback at, at that JUCO college. You, um, you know, had great um, standing with the Broncos staff. I know they definitely appreciated um, what you brought to the table. You even got um, kind of that, that job offer through um, one of the Broncos, you know, EMS personnel um, for that stadium medical. So, you know, how have those connections helped your career or helped kind of keep you satisfied with your current job setting? Um, I mean, those, yeah, those connections are everything. So, it, it all goes back to literally being in clinical uh, my last year of school. So was at Linwood University, Belleville, uh, over in Belleville, Illinois, for my last year of clinical, which was a full year rotation at a college level for me, and just because they had football. And through there, I met somebody that went to school with Zach and hung out with Zach. And so... Uh, that was a way to at least get my resume looked at with the Broncos. And then through working with the Broncos, um, I mean, met Roger, who is a great guy and I mean, just awesome to be around and all that. And he is pretty important, some would say for stadium medical. Um, and so he let me know that if I was planning to stay out here, then you know, to give him a call and throw in an application because they like to use ATCs as much as possible. And he really appreciates and understands what we do just from working with the Broncos for so long, even back when, you know, Greek was around. He said he's been with them for uh, at least 10 years or so, I believe. Um, But I mean, it all would have, none of it would have happened if I wouldn't have had that clinical rotation and just proven who I am in the workplace, what I can bring, my knowledge, my work ethic, just because that clinical rotation got me the job offer at that same college. Um, and then through there, everything kind of fell into place, which has led me to, I mean, it's basically carried me through my employment basically since I got out of college. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's great to hear. So what differences have you noticed at the different levels of, you know, being a football athletic trainer? Um, I know you you mentioned yeah. autonomy before, but uh, is there anything else that really stood out to you? Um, I mean, really, it's just it's the access to modalities, the level of additional help you have. Um, so like at the NAIA college I was at, we were pretty well outfitted with mo- modalities. We had uh, probably five, six game readies. We had five or six uh, stem machines. Some of them were comboed with ultrasound units. We had a laser. Um, we had three hot tubs. I mean, it was it was things that normally you would see at a higher end D two, definitely a D one level, and we had that at what some would consider lower level with the NAIA, even though that's not how 
everybody views it. A lot of those teams can compete with D1 teams. Um, and we had a lot of students. They had their own athletic training program through the college. So we had students who were there who were helping out. They were willing to learn. We had uh, MAT students coming over from my alma mater, St. Louis University, helping out, willing to learn, wanting to know more. Um, and then, I mean, that was just, that was a lot. But there was a lot going on. I think at one point that school had 36 varsity sports. I mean, it was, it was absurd. Um, and then at the JUCO, I mean, whittled down to not much. We had uh, one STEM ultrasound combo unit. We had one other just STEM unit that was just, I mean, it sounded like a helicopter was taken off when you started it up. Um, but we had that. We didn't have any game ready. Um, it was COVID, so we couldn't use the hot tubs because of the mandates as far as sharing hot tubs and things like that, or the cold tub, the whirlpools. Um, there was only one other certified athletic trainer there, and we still had 10 sports in two different campuses. Um, and the stu we had students, but most of them were not going to school for anything related to athletic training. So they were just kind of there. They would get their scholarship money. Um, and really, they would just help out with essentially watering things down, carrying things out while um, taping and things like that were happening before practice, any pre-practice evals, things like that that needed to happen. And then, I mean, change that to the Broncos, right? I mean, you're going from... 10 to 150 percent they have anything and everything you can want they have bfr they have they have game ready they have their guns they have h waves mark pros bio weight i mean it's all over the place there um and then now i'm kind of back down to nothing i don't have any modalities uh i mean i have a bag of ice if i really need it but other than that there's no stem um no ultrasound nothing nothing like that so it's just basically stuck with my hands right now at the high school oh it's i mean it's uh it's great on you to be able to adapt and you know make, make the most out of everything um you know i i always think you know it's, it's great to have those things but yeah at, at the same time it's it's nice to kind of test yourself and make things work with with what you got so um, yeah absolutely it sounds like you're doing a great job with that so far so you know hopefully hopefully you can uh kind of pull on some, you know, pull on some shirts and get a, get a stim unit or something out there soon. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, so kind of last question here before we hit you with the, uh, the AT chat questions. Um, do you think you would want to work around, you know, football or maybe, you know, the contact sport for better word setting for the, the majority of your career or do you see yourself kind of phasing out of that? Um, no, I mean, I, I, man, it's tough right now with, uh, just, I mean, being able to handle the long work days and all that stuff. I mean, I, I could do this easily for another 10, 15 years. Um, but something that has crossed my mind often is potentially switching over to teaching, possibly a clinical education coordinator role, uh, just because I had, an amazing clinical education coordinator at St. Louis University. His name's Tim Howe, and he was awesome. Um, really took into consideration what every student wanted. He was a great teacher in all the classes he taught. He made sure everybody understood what was going on before trying to move too quickly through the class. Um, and then on top of that, he covered 
men's club hockey at St. Louis University. And he always offered those opportunities out to students if they were looking for extra clinical hours or anything like that. And I mean, that was, that was one of those things where that was the first time I went to a clinical rotation or just a clinical shift or whatever you want to call it. And I walked up and he was like, Hey, like have fun, watch out for the flying puck. You're not allowed to say, I don't know. Other than that, I'll be here watching, but that all the players knew to come to me instead of go to him. And he was more so just there as a helping hand, possibly, you know, helping out with further information. And that's a role that I think would be really cool um, to assume later in my career, possibly, you know, 40 or so once I'm looking to maybe settle down if things don't go the way that I would prefer or something like that as far as getting to the level I want to get to. Um, but yeah, he was definitely a big influence for that constantly being on my mind. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, I could definitely see you stepping into that, that role. Um, I, I could see a lot of, you know, college age students going through a program really appreciating that one, but, you know, also um, seeing you as a, a great fit and a great leader for them to, to experience those things. So, yeah, uh, you know, I probably I just still that, have to change the appearance a little bit, maybe cut the hair, trim the beard yeah. up. No way. No way. Hawaiian shirts and all. Oh yeah. Uh, so we'll kind of jump right into the, the AT chat questions here. These are asked um, of kind of everyone that we, we host. So the first one would be, where do you see the athletic training profession going in five to 10 years? Honestly, this, this question was tough because there's a lot of directions that it potentially can head. Um, but I think really I would just love, I would love for in five to 10 years, the advocation for our profession has gotten to the point of where we don't have to explain what an athletic trainer is to a parent or possibly maybe a primary care doctor that doesn't exactly understand because they haven't had an ortho rotation or anything like that. Um, or just haven't worked in the ortho setting, I should say. Um, and just something where, people's initial reaction to hearing athletic trainer isn't that we are a personal trainer that trains athletes. I would love for people in five to 10 years just to automatically know, Oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, they take care of rehab and diagnosis and they're a great emotional outlet for my student or my, my son, daughter, if need be. Um, and I love, I mean, a lot of that would be working better with, PTs and OTs, right? There are some PTs and OTs for whatever reason, there's a whole bunch of hatred, uh, either to athletic trainers or from athletic trainers towards them. And I think it's just from negative experiences um, because I've worked with great PTs. I've worked with great OTs and there has to be a mutual respect amongst all the professions. Um, so I'd love for, for it to start heading that way. Um, and then definitely getting a little bit of a better work-life balance. Right now, that's contributing to so much burnout that I think we're losing a lot of good athletic trainers. And if we can get a better work-life balance, have a better understanding, and we don't feel like we have to constantly keep justifying what we're doing and justifying our profession, why we chose it, that would be, that would be a great goal for me to see everything kind of shift towards in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, those are fantastic points. And I 100% I agree with you on all that. Um, that all sounds... You know, if, if that can happen in five to 10 years, I think the profession is going to be in a, a very, very good place. Yeah, absolutely. So 
next question here would be what advice would you give to yourself as a young athletic trainer? You do not have to follow the typical route. Um, I, so part of my five-year MAT program was uh, between in the summer between basically your junior year and your senior year, you take gross anatomy. Um, and unfortunately the first time I took it, I didn't make it. I was about, uh, three points shy, not three percentage points, but about three points of getting the passing grade that I needed. And so that kind of bumped me back a year. Um, but I ended up getting three minors during that extra years, so kind of took advantage of that one in sports business, one in psychology and one in interprofessional education. Um, the psychology one really just helps me have a better understanding, I think, of what all can go wrong within an athlete's head after an injury. The best way is to try and keep them in a positive headspace because we all know when an athlete gets down, their rehab starts to suffer and grades potentially start to suffer. Um, I mean, in a professional education, really helped me understand exactly what all my options were when trying to help out the athletes, right? I mean, it was, we worked with imaging techs. We worked with, or not worked with, but in the class we had imaging techs, we had nurses, we had PTs, OTs. Um, I mean, really just, it, it was all about bringing everybody together and making sure that everybody understood the benefits and when to refer patients to certain people and things like that. Um, and I mean, then sports business one, that was more so just kind of in case I ever wanted to open my own business. Um, but I ended up basically pitching a marketing idea to Anheuser-Busch right out there in St. Louis. And, um, I mean that, that meeting went incredibly well for my group and we got some high level meeting experience, which has kind of helped me be prepared for the higher expectations that other people have during meetings and things like that and so that was great um and then i mean moving on from that it was just i mean i got the internship with the broncos much later than typical summer interns do and i even um somebody even remarked to me well you know typically those training camp internships are for for students still that's fine it's i mean it's my goal it's where i want to end up and this is the first available step for me to take towards that direction. Why would I not want to take this opportunity? Like get out of here. Right. I mean, it was, and so it's just, I mean, everything, not everything, but a lot of things about where I've gone have been atypical just because it's turned a five year program into six, got that internship two years after most people do. Um, but still wouldn't trade it. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think, you know, when I look back on meeting you and working with you, it, it's always been apparent that, you know, you're not afraid to step outside the box and, you know, do your own thing. And I think that's, um, I mean, that's, that's great, especially in this profession, but it's, it's also just, um, it's great as a professional period. I mean, you have three minors, you've been in a big board meeting with Anheuser-Busch. I mean, not a lot of people can say that kind of stuff. And it, I think it just, attest to your um you know your, your ability to just cope with situations your your kind of mindset on just making the most out of every situation so i think a lot of people can learn from that and you know and end up in better situations um from doing those things 
Yeah, absolutely. So next question here for you would be, what has been the most influential resource or experience that you have found or, um, you know, experienced in your career? Most influential resource has to be my coworkers, just because unfortunately, I mean, I haven't held down a job for too long. Um, but I mean, it's the coworkers are ever changing. They all come from different backgrounds. They all have different skill bases. They all have different knowledge sets based off of where they went to school. Um, I mean, at the NAI college I was at, that was one of the most fun learning filled environments I have ever been in. We actually had Hawaiian shirt Fridays. Um, and I mean, all there was a young staff. They were all super knowledgeable. I don't think any of them were over 35, even the head AT. Um, and everybody was just into supporting each other, making sure everybody's kind of staying up to date on conferences and CEUs and all that stuff. But you're not just going there because you feel like you have to. You're going there because, you know, it's an opportunity to have fun, an opportunity to network. Um, I mean, and then at the JUCO, I worked with a phenomenal AT from Florida. He's actually in the ECHL now with the Rapid City Rush. Um, and he, I mean, he educated me a lot on heat illnesses and different little things that he learned because down in Florida, they are all over making sure that they hammer all of the facts about heat illnesses just because they experience it much more often than I would have up in Missouri where it's cold six months out of the year. And then even when it's 80 in the morning, it'll be 20 at night for some reason. Um, I mean, it, it's just, yeah, those, those experiences, that knowledge I've gained from coworkers and still gain from coworkers is, is priceless. Yeah. I, I really like that answer. Um, I, I would say I'm in a very similar boat too of just having the, almost the luck um, to have those great experiences and, and then meeting, you know, those people along the way that really justify why, you know, you're, you're pursuing the things that you're pursuing. Absolutely. Yeah. So as an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? This is kind of a work life balance question for you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think, at some point it got out. Um, but I really typically t- like to wake up early. Um, and you found that out from the Broncos. I was typically, I mean, if we were there at six, six thirty in the morning, I would be up probably around two forty-five, three o'clock. Um, and that I've carried that everywhere I go. That's with any job. I always typically wake up about three to four hours before I have to be there. And that is time for, for me. So typically I play with the dog a little bit. I feed them. Um, and then I'll play some video games. And once I play video games for a little bit, I'm off to go work out. And that just lets it be much easier for me. Cause when I get back from, you know, some of those 12, 14, 15 hour days that we have, I don't have anything else to do. Um, or if I do, I mean, it's like doing the dishes, which takes 20 minutes. I can spend more time with my girlfriend. I can spend more time with my dog. We can, whether it's hanging out on the couch, whether it's going out to grab a beer or something like that real quick. Um, it feels less rushed when I get back from work, which I am all about. So, 
Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's a great answer. I, I don't know too many people that would you know, work a, you know, what was it? Probably 13 hour training camp day, you know, sometimes, and then wake up at yeah. 45 the next, the next morning. So. Well, it's easy when you're going to bed about a half hour after you get back to the hotel room. Uh, yeah. I still thought you were nuts, man. That was, that was crazy. But, uh, you know, still brought the energy every day. So I, kudos to you. So next one here is if you could change or eliminate one thing, whether that's, you know, modality, kind of a common practice, maybe a mindset um, in the field of athletic training, what would that be? I kind of alluded to it a little bit before, um, but I would eliminate the poor work-life balance. And I'm not sure if you've had that answer before, and I'm not sure, you know, what the listeners are and the demographic and all that stuff, whether they're young ATs still in school, if they're ATs going through it right now. Um, but any way you can try to either eliminate the poor work-life balance or, I mean, at least alleviate some of the work-life balance issues that you have, that would be key for me. That would be the one thing. I think everything else, I mean, that's fine. Everything has a time and a place, uh, but you need to have good work-life balance. I think if we eliminate a poor work-life balance, our retention rate for this profession skyrockets. We don't have people leaving it as soon as they start families after only being in it for six, seven years. We don't have people retiring early. Um, I mean, I'm in some Facebook groups now for athletic trainers and at least once a week, it's a post about, Hey, I'm thinking about leaving the profession. What are my options? Hey, I'm fed up with, you know, the consecutive 12 hour days, nonstop, not being appreciated. What are my options? Um, and it's, it's frustrating just because, I mean, it, obviously it's not the highest paying profession, but it's fun to be in. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think we lose a lot of good ATs due to poor work-life balance. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to eliminate that as much as possible. Yeah, no, I, I think that retention rate is huge. You know, we, we constantly hear about burnout. So uh, that, that, that would be a great thing to, to alleviate or, you know, get some NADA or some other, you know, higher up place really, you know, thinking about how those, how they can make some changes and really just advocate for that part of the profession as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So the last AT chat question for you here is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, so for me, being an athletic trainer, this means being a hard worker, being knowledgeable, being trustworthy. I mean, you can't, we, we rely so heavily on relationships that we have to, we have to be able to build that trust right away. Um, we have to kind of adapt our, our attitude and our emotions and all that stuff to cater to each individual athlete in order to get them to trust us faster or as fast as possible. And I, I mean, I still struggle with that. I was, I've been told, um, I've been told I'm too stoic around athletes, which is, is true. Sometimes I try so hard to be professional around them, despite how I look and my attire today, try so hard to be professional around them that sometimes I don't let any emotion come through. And so when no emotion comes through on my end, they don't trust me because they think maybe they just, are another patient to me. They're not somebody, they're not an individual. Um, and lastly, I mean, it's my big thing everywhere I've been, is just to always have fun. 
Um, and I, I don't know why that's not more common. Um, but I mean, loved having fun. I started the Hawaiian shirt Fridays at my first job, love joking around in the AT room whenever it's appropriate. Right. Obviously you don't do it all the time. Um, but I mean, at the JUCO, we would constantly have, uh, or not constantly, but sometimes we'd have some sort of music going on. I'm a big Disney fan. So we would throw Disney music on sometimes, uh, both the colleges I've been at, um, like whether it's bringing in an espresso or something like that for a buddy, cause it's game day. Like, great. Let's get after it. Here's an espresso or here's a bang, like something a little bit to perk somebody up and make those longer days a little bit better. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, um, I, I think everyone can attest that, uh, you know, you definitely sound like a fun guy. I mean, I can firsthand experience, um, you know, attest to that as well. Um, but you know, I think, you know, if you do end up going to an ad convention or, you know, some sort of those, those bigger networking events, I, I think a lot of people are naturally just going to be drawn to you and they're going to want to know your experiences and, Hey man, you know, how do you have so much fun as, you know, in the settings that you're in? And, um, I think it's great that, that you were able to speak with us on that too. So, you know, if, if anyone recognizes the name Justin Olam at any, you know, events or, or networking opportunities, whatever it happens to be, I, I highly suggest, you know, getting to know this guy and, um, you know, it, you're really going to meet, uh, you know, a fun person, but also someone that's, you know, fantastic for the profession, you know, great work ethic. Um, loves what he does every day and, and you can really tell that just from you know your first conversation with him so um, anything that you want to add Justin um, yeah I mean there was one thing that kind of came to mind and it was just I mean we thought our goals are fairly similar right we want to work with NFL to college level football to some some degree right um, and I mean that's success for us but success for everybody is different. Um, and so it was just, I mean, don't let somebody else's journey influence how you think yours should go. There are some people who they are going to be phenomenal high school athletic trainers. And for them, that is their NFL. And they want to be able to be essentially a pseudo parent to those kids at the high school level. They want to be able to teach them. They want to be able to initiate that next step with their sports medicine classes. There are some that they only want to be here five years and then they want to start teaching and, you know, maybe just teaching at the college level for the athletic training concept or classes and that's success to them. So just, yeah, making sure nobody compares themselves to other people's step-by-step processes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such an important message to, to reiterate to, um, you know, and, it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to really make anyone angry or anything like that, but, you know, I, I know that our goal, obviously NFL college level, but, you know, I like how you mentioned that some people's high school is, you know, their NFL level of success. Um, so I think just making sure that people in the profession really understand that success is really what you um, want it to be. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the number after the salary or the, um, you know, the location that it, that job is in or the, you know, the, the professional level. Um, I think that that's just such an important message to really bring home. 
because um, I see, you know, social media posts all the time, just, you know, really reiterating the, um, you know, the advocation for these professional sports. But, you know, I have so much respect for, especially at the high school level. I mean, most times you're the only person there providing care. It's uh, tough, man. So it is, It's a whole new battle. So, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for, you know, a, a lot of those athletic trainers in those situations where, you know, they, they can't get an MRI same day, next day. Yeah. Uh, parents maybe can't, you know, don't have insurance or have the means to get, you know, things like imaging or even a doctor's visit. So um, there's just so many nuances that I think fit into that level of or definition of success. And, you know, I, I think that that's one thing that we can advocate more of is just being more supportive of those roles and keeping those people happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's for, that's for everything. I mean, one of, one of my brothers is a stay at home dad and to him, that is success. He's got two great kids. He home brews every now and again. He actually just brewed with them yesterday. Uh, I mean, the kids are so well behaved. He takes care of the house and all that stuff. And for him, that is success for me. That's, that's not my idea of success. So, and I mean, for another brother, he's a director of IT for a company and that is success for him. It's just, it's different for everybody. And so it's not a judging thing. It's absolutely, like you said, just encourage them. Just be happy for people when they get to somewhere that they want to be. Don't sit there being, you know, well, I don't know why they would want that or, well, that's not my route. Just be happy for them. Absolutely. Well, if, if you don't have anything else to add, I'll just, um, I'd like to thank the, the audience members here that gave this a listen. Uh, hopefully you gained some, some insight out of this. Uh, I thought Justin did a great job here of sharing his experiences and, you know, providing a lot of great advice, whether you're a young athletic trainer, student, um, older athletic trainer, you know, maybe even, you know, close to burnout or retiring or whatever it happens to be you know, hopefully you can at least take a piece of this episode here and, and apply it to your situation back home. So yeah, thank absolutely. You just, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. It's been great. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great episode. And, um, you know, we at Athletic Training Chat would just like to, to thank you and, you know, really, we really appreciate what you're doing and um, hope that you continue that success. Awesome. Appreciate it. Same to you guys.